This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning, this is Rita Liu. You're listening to Her Vantage, and this is where we speak to women of influence and leadership. Uh, Cradle Funds in Nirbahad is Malaysia's early stage startup influencer incorporated under the MOF in 2003 with a mandate to fund potential and high caliber tech startups through its Cradle investment. Cradle further expanded its role from a grant provider to investor through the establishment of its venture capital arm, Cradle Seed Ventures in 2015, and following its portfolio expansion to equity investment in early 2017, Cradle now offers full funding and investment assistance. Taking over the role as CEO in 2020, Rafiza Ghazali joins us today to show how they plan to continue fertilizing the tech scene. Uh, good morning. Hi, good morning, Freda. It's such a pleasure speaking to you finally. Now, you know, your, your background has largely been in finance, right? Why did you decide to take on this role uh, at Cradle? Okay. Well, yes, finance, but, you know, my real passion is is building business, you know, and even when I was in finance, I'm always doing outside beyond my scope and I'll be, you know, doing operations, HR, procurement, you know, stakeholder management, directors, shareholders. So when I was at Samdabi, I deal a lot more, uh, with the investors because I uh, investor relations was under me. So it's just, you know, after 25 years of bits and pieces on how to run a big company, mm-hmm. I've always been fascinated by small companies. You know, uh, <laughs> I've shared this, you know, in public. Uh, my ex-husband and my current husband are both, you know, entrepreneurs. So I've always been, and and uh, along the way, so, so I've, I've set up, I've set up a number of small businesses, but these are personal. So I've always been, you know, very awed in building business. So when this job came along, I thought, okay, finally I get to do what I'm really passionate about, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and and for me, it's just been a learning process, learning from all these entrepreneurs. Um, it's just amazing. Yeah. So that's 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 how I got into this job. Yeah. And you took on this role during the pandemic. Yes. Uh, but you know, just just when you see how has the, the pandemic affected, I guess, the ecosystem and just the tech ecosystem, like your observations of what's what's been happening? Well, okay, I, I think it's just been a shock to everyone, you know, the pandemic. Uh, something which we thought that, ah, oh, it's going to take two weeks, four weeks, and then the next thing you know, it's like going to be nearly, you know, more than one and a half years going to two years. And we can see this actually permanent at the moment, you know, which... We never thought that would happen. Um, I started my career during the 1998, so you can guess how old I am now, <laughs> during the 1998 crisis. And it was, at that time, it was, you know, considered to be one of the biggest crises, you know, in that era, right? Um, we had the, um, you know, the, yeah, so, so the, the bank system nearly collapsed and everything. And it hit uh, businesses. At that time, there were no startups. So it hits a lot of, actually, it hits a lot of big corporations. Um, and it hits a lot of, um, you know, SMEs as well. And I, and I joined Dana Harta at that time. So we, you know, we took over close to 40 billions worth of loans from the bank and restructuring 
big companies, small companies, you know, like Air Asia, uh, name it, any any companies that existed in 1998 uh, needed to be restructured. And uh, so, and we thought that, wow, that was the biggest thing. And But it's nothing compared to what we experienced, um, you know, last year. So it, you, a lot of people ask me like, okay, why, why do you take on a new job um, uh, during this time, right? And especially when, you know, a lot of startups were, okay, there were two types of startups. There were startups that couldn't keep up with the, you know, with the growth because they're in tech startups. Mm -hmm. uh, so things like, you know, uh, we had some, you know, really luck. I, I wouldn't call it considered lucky, but they were, they were prepared. So startups in logistics, uh, food delivery, uh, everything that can fill in the gap uh, that happened during the pandemic. They, they couldn't keep up with the growth, you mm. know. So, and then you have the others where, you know, by no fault of theirs, uh, you know, just the business model, their business model didn't work. So we have two types of startups that we had to manage. And to me, like, this is probably the one in a life chance for me to join Cradle and really see, you know, see how I can help these startups. Uh, that was my, my motivation at that time. It's just mm -hmm. that how can I, you know, how can I work and support these startups? Uh, those who are doing well and those who are badly hit as well. Yeah. Right. Very interesting. I, I want to talk a little bit more about the two kinds of start, uh, startups, right? Those that couldn't uh, couldn't survive, right? And those that had this mm. huge growth, right? Mm. Which is a good problem, but also a, a challenge if you cannot keep up with that pace, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right? What, what, were the, what, are the, what are the fundamental challenges there for both? For both, okay. Let's talk about the one that wrong business model, short cash flow and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So, the, okay, these ones, what happened was, you know, they have certain milestones and certain targets, certain number of subscription, you know, certain revenue targets that they wanted to meet. And, um, and a lot of their expansion, because we look at the early stage startups. So, so they are in growth stage, unlike, you know, established companies. So they're in growth stage. So there's, there's things that they have planned, that they have in plan over the next 15 months or so. Um, and suddenly MCO happened. So they couldn't do, you know, their validation. They, there's, there's things that, which they just couldn't do. I give you an example: um, a startup that deals with uh, daycare centers, mm -hmm. you know, and because the daycare centers uh, couldn't uh, operate at that time, so these were badly hit, you know, and so and and what we found is what I'm interesting. What I've learned: there are two type of founders. Found mm -hmm. one founder who is just so resilient, like you know, yeah. I, I I don't care. I'm I know I'm going to survive, and I'll just do what it takes, you know. Uh, and they pivot, you know, they, they they quickly find opportunities adjacent. Because, you know, I always believe there's always opportunity in every crisis. It's just a matter how you look at it and how you address it, you know. So there are two types of startups. And there are other types of startups. And, and like I said, you know, nothing wrong with them. They've just said, you know what, um, it's just not going to happen. And it's not like they give up. They, they are a lot more, you know, risk uh, averse. They said, you know what, uh, let's close down, let's shut down a few things and let's be in hibernation mode. And both 
there's no right or wrong strategy to it, you know. So it's either you go out and and do or die or you hibernate. So these are all what I call survival mode, okay. And we have, we have, uh, so I can categorize into two. So there are some which, you know, like a lot of people say, you know, I remember during during those months, oh, you know, this business is closing down. This That's the reason why they close down. Is they, they just want to cut loss. They just want to minimize their costs, you know. There's nothing wrong with closing down. Like, why would I want to continue if I'm not going to be getting revenue? I might as well close down and, you know, uh, and get these people to do some other things that can, probably generate more income right so there's nothing wrong and nothing bad in closing down it's a strategy that one has to take if one has to survive because you're you're bleeding yes you're bleeding you know i might as well you know take a break (laughs) i know i know a couple of startups who like you know what i'm not gonna do this i'm just gonna take a break and then probably be a grab driver you know for a couple of months you know there's nothing wrong with that. It's, you know, in fact, sometimes I have a lot more respect for these founders, you know. Um, but not many people understand that. So, and then, so those are the, the second group of people that I spoke about. The, the, and there's one which is like, like, you know, I've spoken to a number of founders. I'm not going to say names, but, you know, so they were like hiring like nobody's business, you know. Uh, because it just so happened they offer services that address an immediate gap during the pandemic, you know, and I'm sure you can guess who they are, right? You know, um, well, we have one recent, you know, unicorn that that's one of those, you know. So in, in fact, what's interesting is that I was doing a study on uh, the U- unicorns in Southeast Asia. I'm not so sure whether people realize there were, seven new unicorns, seven new, seven startups that turned unicorn during the pandemic. Right. Nearly half in Southeast Asia. What does that say? Right. Coming out from Malaysia. Right. Okay. No, so, not Malaysia. Southeast uh, Asia. Southeast so Asia. We had, we had one uh, mm-hmm. from Malaysia. But, you know, the last 15 years or so, okay, half, nearly half of the startups that, the half of the unicorns turn unicorn during the pandemic. So what does that say? So, okay, we'll, we'll, so we'll talk about that as well. And of course, you, you know, in your interview last year in Breakfast Grill, you talked about taking Cradle Regional and I guess you know, Southeast Asia is the growth growth place. We'll discuss that in just a moment. I'm here with Rafiza Ghazali, the CEO of Cradle. Stay tuned, BFF 89.9. Backing Feminist Movements, BFM. 89.9, The Business Station. Good morning, this is Frida Liu. You're listening to Her Vantage, and this is where we speak to women of influence and leadership. Rafiza Ghazali from C, the CEO of Cradle, is here with me. You know, we're just talking about uh, an exciting time that she decided to join Cradle. Um, one, I want to know as well, right? I know they were... Uh, my hackathons uh, that were that were being organized, right? Uh, I guess what was the outcome from twenty twenty? Is there something that you will continue? You know, will Cradle will continue doing and why? Okay, all right. So it's 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 interesting. My hackathon was the idea from the government to see whether or not we can crowdsource 
uh, solutions with respect to the digitalization, the digitalization services of the government, uh, public services delivery, because a lot of people lost jobs. And, you know, one of the ways that perhaps, you know, we can, you know, create jobs, it's, it's an opportunity to create jobs. And it's an opportunity for, you know, the people to participate. Um, uh, and again, you know, that the focus is that let's, um, let's explore. Okay. And it's, it's just been amazing. It, 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 it went beyond what we expected. We didn't know what to expect. You know, I think it's the first time anyone uh, had to do a nationwide hackathon within three months. So we were given a target. So we were given the mandate, um, you know, sometime end of July. We were given the mandate to launch by end of August right. uh, in order for our minister to meet its KPI. And we were given the mandate to complete everything by the end of the year. So, and um, it, the you know, the, the response, it was just beyond what we initially targeted. So we had, um, you know, I think there were statistics out there. I, I don't really have the number exactly, mm-hmm. but at, at the end, um, you know, we had 36 winners. So we had two categories, one, uh, 18 sprint winners, 18, uh, what we call it, the marathon winners. Now, Okay, like people say, so what? You know, thirty six winners, but there were more than you know. Uh, I would say more than hundred fifty themes that were shortlisted, and when you're shortlisted, um, we you know we provide coaching as well. So there's boot camp because they, they, these are, uh, I would say probably close to half of the participants are really newbies. You know, they just want to try it out. So you know, they may not. Uh, have exposure to the concept of pitching. They may not have a concept of how to come up with a solution. So there's a lot of uh, what I would call it, I wouldn't call it hand-holding, but a lot of coaching, mentoring. So we've got more than 30 coaches that were assigned to all these groups um, and really train them, uh, and, and, you know, uh, uh, up to the point where, uh, you know, they were confident enough to pitch in front of the judges. So like I said, again, it's not just about finding 18 solutions or 36 solutions. It's about, you know, exposing uh, a large number of Malaysians who never before uh, to be able to, you know, to be confident enough so that you right. know, later they may, you know, they may start their own setups. At least they have experienced how it feels, you know, how to pitch in front of a judge, you know, how to uh, do a business canvas model. Uh, so those, so those are the things. So, so, and that's the whole objective of the government. Uh, and you know, it's and it's not just about you know giving two hundred fifty thousand each to eighteen winners. So what happened was the winners of the eighteen categories, uh, uh, marathon category, the eighteen winners. Um, we have been working very closely with them to uh, to deploy their solutions uh, with the host agencies or the host governments. Um, and I'm very, you know, happy. So now uh, I would say more than 80% of them are on track because we've been given 12 months uh, to, I would, uh, to, to provide a prototype that can be accepted uh, by the government. So they're on track now, whether or not at the end of the day, the government adopt the solutions, that's entirely up to the ministries. Okay, but at least they've built a prototype that 
uh, addresses the problem, the original problem statements. So we are targeted to have the graduation session uh, sometime end of November. Uh, we are still working on the milestones. Still, you know, uh, in fact, two have already been accepted by the host government. So, i.e., the government. Uh, so the host agencies have agreed, and they are way ahead of time because the original target was in, you know. Uh, was in November. So, in mm -hmm. fact, two have already been uh, accepted and we'll make the announcement uh, soon when they've all got all the, you know, all the agreements, everything, you know, to the dots and sign and everything. Yeah. Is is it going to be a yearly affair? Okay. So, I wouldn't call it a yearly because for me, right, it's not so much about doing the hackathon, but make sure that the solutions get adopted. So to me, that's that's equally important. The event itself, everyone does it. You know, there's just so many hackathons, you know, but what sets us different from the rest is that we actually provide the funding and mm -hmm. the, you know, and the support to actually get these solutions deployed by the host, uh, problem, uh, by the problem uh, statement host. Uh, so to to us, that's that's what sets the rest, you know, um, and um, there's no point in uh, in us doing it every year because we rather concentrate on making sure that the solutions actually get deployed and get accepted, and these winners eventually get more than two hundred fifty thousand. They get you know the contract yeah. with the government. So, so so to us, that's also a target. So what we felt what makes better sense is to probably do it every two years you know so mm. one year a uh, hackathon and one year deployment um yeah so so we'll see whether or not the government uh provides us with the budget for us to do hackathon 2022 but we've got that in plan it's just pending you know decisions uh from <laughs> the funding provider right and, and you know last year you said the focus was on health tech and agri-tech is yeah. that still the focus? Yes, of course, you know, along with uh, a lot, you know, so health tech, as you can, we, we've got uh, some really good uh, new recipients uh, last year uh, in, in the area, uh, sorry, this year in the area of health tech. Uh, but of course, it's just not 100%. We also look at uh, e-commerce. There's been a number of fintech. Uh, some of the recipients that we got, you know, have fintech that addresses especially to the B40 and the M40. So those are the sort of things that we're also looking at, you know, and that aligns with, you know, my digital blueprint and the national 4 policy where we talk about you know inclusivity you know responsible uh, responsible financing uh, sustainability so those are also uh, some of the things that we look at okay you know cradle also promotes the angel investor programs right you just you see a lot of investors coming on board in the last two years or were people apprehensive? Was it difficult to get investors? Well, it's uh, we didn't see a search, but we didn't see a dip either. So it has been sort of, you know, fairly maintained mm -hmm. um, because they, the angel investors that come to us are the new angel investors because, you know, they want to get uh, tax financing. Mm -hmm. So Cradle uh, specifically, uh, we don't keep track of the number of angel investors. So that's done by MBAN, the Malaysian Business Angel uh, Network. So they keep track of the number of angel investing. But I think um, what's interesting is that what we see is that there's a lot of uh, what I call it indirect angel investors through the ECF platform. Uh, 
mm-hmm. you know, the equity crowdfunding platform. So we see, you know, we see a lot of interest in there. I suppose, you know, uh, high net worth um, uh, companies are seeing better quality, uh, you know, uh, better quality startups. And also they, you know, they need to diversify their asset class, right? Uh, mm. uh, it's, it's, it's been, you know, equity has been, you know, unless, you know, you, you, you bought the glove, uh, you know, the, 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 the glove, a couple of months ago yeah you know so so if if you miss that boat you know how else can you diversify right um but now you know yeah so so we see we in terms of you know i can't really say exactly the number of but i don't see any dip um Mm. and there are a lot of new uh, angel investors who are suddenly um you know um coming in and they are interested whether or not they invest uh, is but but we definitely see a lot more interest by the individual investors and we are also seeing a lot of interest uh, a lot of fact finding research by the what we call it the corporate angel investors as well yeah Right. You know, so you, you joined in uh, June 2020 and spoke on the Breakfast Grill in July. Uh, <laughs> right. So, you know, it's been it's been over a year. What would you say have been some of your milestones and also headaches you know, <laughs> in this period? OK, I would say that the milestones for Cradle is that, you know, we're, see, we're still in existence, <laughs> you know. <laughs> because because you know I joined in during the time where there's been mm-hmm. a number of changes in the government yes. um, and also there's been a lot of uh, you know direction from the government to consolidate uh, to to provide leakages so that, that you know and, and you and I know there were a number of uh, agencies that were sort of I would say put on high risk and right. you know so the first thing that I did and the first thing that I told the board of directors and the staff is that look we need to change how we do things you know um, otherwise we will n- not remain relevant uh, because there's a lot of other uh, providers out there probably not in the form of grants but what I'm seeing that there's you know uh, a lot more active participation by the state development corporations in providing grants. So Cradle is not the only one. Probably five years ago, seven years ago, uh, we can be a bit, you know, action yeah. la, you know, <laughs> the only one, right? Like everyone comes to us, but, you know, I said, look, now, you know, not everyone uh, will come to Cradle because, you know, they have other options out there, right? And uh, a lot of, and, and, you know, and this is also a positive thing, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. saying this in a bad word, you know, uh, a bad way, but there's also a lot of other, what I call it, private accelerators that really, you know, uh, promote the, the ecosystem. So that's been very positive. And a lot of other government as well related, not necessarily mostly, that provide grants as well, you know, so we have SME Corp, you have Taraju, etc, etc. So, I, and, I, and, I told, and I told the team, like I said, look, if we don't change the way how we do things, we we could be easily absorbed by some other agencies, right? And and so I think uh, my hackathon helped us a lot because it actually diversified on what we do. Because what happened was, um, you know, two years ago, uh, our activity got severely restricted. So we mm-hmm. were only allowed to do grant. Uh, so we were not allowed to do new equity. And that's something that I'm working on at the moment. Um, and plus, we didn't get any funding to do any other, what I call it, capacity building. So that's why you, you if you notice, Cradle has been a little bit quiet with respect to the 
other programs because we didn't get any funding to do that. The funding that we got from the government was just purely grant. And I felt that um, it it sort of limits, uh, you know, what Cradle can do in right. a lot of ways because there's significantly less touch points for us. And what I found that is that, you know, Cradle uh, became slightly remote from the ecosystem because we were, you know, we were not out there in the mm. ecosystem because, you know, mm. all we did was just sit in the office and wait mm. for people to come and apply grants to us. We have, you know, limited exposure to be out there. Um, and that's one of the things. So, 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 Doing things like my hackathon because it really exposes us, you know, it gives us the flavor. Okay, who are the founders out there? Because when you do early stage funding, there's no track record. There's no, mm. you know, even their idea is still in being validated stage, you know, pre-commercialization. How do you make an assessment whether these are the, you know, that the, the you know, these are the startups that we should support? It's through the founders and their team. So if mm-hmm. you're not out there, you know, being in the ecosystem and plus, you know, MCO, so you can't really meet them. So so it really limits our sort of, you know, our, you know, ability to make an assessment, okay, will this founder survive, you know, the next two, three years are able, are they able to execute what they say, you know, like in that seven minutes, 10 minutes pitch, mm. right? How do you, you, you can't make a decision just based on pitch, right? You, you need to be out there, you know, getting to know, chat with the founder, go and visit their, you know, premises and stuff like that, which, which is difficult. So this is where, you know, we are working, you know, with different partners and, you know, these are some of the things that we really hope, you know, for next year that we can do things just beyond grant, you know, but, you know, like, again, I said, this is all, uh, you know, um, yeah, this is still what I, what we have in mind and, um, you know, still being in work in progress. <laughs> and, 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 yeah, and you can see, you know, we've been uh, given the lead uh, to, to host the week to Dubai Expo. So this is this is one of the things which I mentioned that you know uh, Cradle really needs to be out there to do things just beyond uh, providing grants. Right, and and you know helping the ecosystem. Yes, uh, and you know so here's to uh, more exciting uh, stories coming up from Cradle. <laughs> I've been speaking to Raviza Ghazali, the CEO of Cradle. You've been listening to her Vantage BFF eighty nine point nine. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.